Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. Does the name Kurt Hines ring a bell? Perhaps not, but there's a good chance you watched his viral video from September 2021. But find out why there's so much more to Coach Hines than a 47-second video clip. Stay tuned. TeamSnap is the presenting sponsor of the Winning Is Not Everything podcast. As an all-in-one youth sports management app, TeamSnap helps take the stress out of coaching, letting you spend more time with your team and less time organizing. As a coach, I love to track the real-time RSVPs, which lets me prepare for each training session, and I love to post scouting reports and discussion topics. As a parent, I appreciate being able to sync my kids' schedules directly into my calendar and use the Team Chat feature for timely updates on where to meet and park. Download the TeamSnap app in your mobile app store or visit teamsnap.com slash winning for more information. Hey everybody, here's a tip. Today's modern day used car salesman, someone who will tell you anything to get your money, is a social media quote unquote expert who tells you that they know how to create viral videos. It is truly an inexact science. How else to explain that some of the most viral videos are grainy and poorly edited, or some of the best register only a handful of views? Coach Kurt Hines, a high school football coach near San Diego, was being his usual authentic self when he posted about a player who quit his team. But before we get into that video, I want us to dig deeper into the man behind it. In part one of our conversation with Kurt Hines, we're going to discuss some of his childhood highs and lows, including an instance when his parents made clear an expectation and held him accountable for it. Let's get to it. Well, I am so thrilled to have on with me as a guest today, Coach Kurt Hines. Coach, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a blessing to be here, Sean. Thanks for having me on. Well, I absolutely am always looking for those kind of dynamic coaches who are doing things the right way. And it really didn't take me long to find out about you. Now, I know you had a viral video a few months ago, uh, which we'll get into later, but it's so much more than that. You know, you've dedicated decades of your life to coaching and teaching. And so just as a parent who's not a professional coach, who's not a professional teacher, I just want to thank you for your commitment and dedication because it's people like you who are so influential to young people. And to do it the way you do it, I think, is such a blessing to all those young people and families that you've been able to work with over the years. So thank you. Yeah, th thank you. N knowing a little bit about your background and, and the coaches that you've been blessed to just kind of rub elbows with and meet over the years and stay in contact with, that means a lot. So thank you. Well, the first question, Coach Hines, that I ask all my guests is, what's your favorite childhood sports-related memory? And that's intentionally a very sort of broad interpretation of how you see that. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've been asked that question before. I love it. My favorite, this is what we talked about, I, I didn't know that. My favorite childhood sports memory, you know, I, I think it just changed, actually, now that you asked that. Uh, playing basketball, and I am not a basketball player, but playing basketball at a Barrington Middle School outdoor court with my father and one of my best friends growing up uh, for two reasons. I was probably in seventh grade at the time 
and it was summer, and my, my friend Frank Glavin and I were kind of bored around the house, and my dad said, hey, let's go play basketball. And I was like, well, there's just three of us. You know, what are we going to do? He's like, I'll play the two of you. And I'm like, all right, you, all right, old, old man. And uh, he ended up destroying us two on one. <laughs> uh, and, and I just, uh, just a few months ago, lost my father. With the fondness of he lived a great life, 81 years. He was a servant leader, selfless man. But, but probably one of my greatest memories simply because it just, yeah, it just stands out as a time that uh, I was humbled as a young man. I think so many of us in our early teens think uh, our, our old men are just that, just old men. And uh, he, he, he schooled us and, and did it in a loving way. It's a memory I, I pray I never forget. No, that's awesome. And, and that's a beautiful answer to that question. And we both spent a lot of time in New England, right? And yes. So when I was in middle school, I think my highlights were playing pickup sports with my friends and, you know, we'd go to the baseball field. Don't you feel like we're missing that a little bit these days, those kind of moments? 100%, you know, and I, I think our generation, you mentioned your age, uh, you're a lot older than I am. Just kidding. I, 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 have <laughs> I was you. like, geez, no, I, am I? No, I, no I, I think I have you by four years. But no, I, I, I think we all remember our generation, at least, of our parents saying, hey, come home and the streetlights come on. You know, and, and you would, you know, school would end. You'd, you'd have a quick snack. You'd do your homework real quick and go out and play and ride your bikes or pick up games or football or basketball or whatever. And I, and I do as, as great as social media is. It's allowing the two of us to connect and, yeah. and connect with individuals on the other side of the world, and I think Incredible. it's a blessing in so many ways. I do think one of the negatives is a lot of us just feel connected to our phones as opposed to not having that option. And you get to go outside and, and you know, that, that is your social network, going outside and connecting with your friends. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I remember on Saturdays, my parents would like kick me out of the house. Like they'd feed me breakfast and they're like, all right, get out of the house. Cause they didn't want me sitting around playing video games. Yes. And so, and then when they didn't want me to come home for lunch, they'd even give me a few bucks and just tell me to go to the base pizza place or the bowling alley to get lunch. But yeah, me and my friends would just play sports all day long, you know, yeah. different sports and it was beautiful, but it is what it is, unfortunately. Yes. Hey, coach, which coach or teacher encouraged and inspired you most when you were younger? I've got to give credit to my least favorite class, also in seventh grade, uh, oddly enough. I, I was never a great student, and math was the, the subject I struggled most in, but Mr. Nicholas would sit on the corner of his desk at the beginning of every class, or in, the way I remember it. Maybe it wasn't every class, but that, that's what stands out. And he would just sit on his desk and say, hey, Kurt, what's going on with football or, or Jill, what's going on with soccer? And he would just talk to us about life. And I remember sitting there, Sean, as a seventh grader, thinking to myself, he cares. Like, he really cares about me. He was not, he's not talking math. He's not getting right to the curriculum. I'd be lying if I said, it'd be a Hollywood story if I said, oh, because he cared so much, I became a mathematician and I loved yeah. math. No, I, I never loved math, but I cared enough to go to every class, to do my work and to pass. And I remember in seventh grade thinking, I want to do this. I want to, I want to have that connection. I, I want to teach. And the reason I have to give him so much credit is because I believe he changed the trajectory of my entire life because teaching led me to coaching. It was, I was a junior in college when a professor came up to me and said, hey, there's a, there's a middle school down the road that has a special needs flag football team that's looking for a volunteer. Will you coach? And that was my first time I ever thought about coaching. And for me, growing up, football was everything, but I never thought about coaching. And it was a college professor that said, hey, they need a volunteer. So yeah, Mr. Nicholas is definitely uh, up there with some of the greatest. 
Did you ever get a chance to tell Mr. Nicholas that? No, because, I, so I, you know, I I asked that because one of the most influential people in my life was my high school guidance counselor who really pushed me to do more academically, who pushed me to apply to colleges outside of Virginia where I grew up, which is how I ended up in Northwestern. And I didn't realize at the time how important he was until maybe in my mid-20s when I realized like, wow, this guy had a huge impact on my life. And I tried to follow up with him and he had passed away. So I'd never had a chance to really tell Mr. Jones how much he meant to me. Did you get a, a chance to ever thank Mr. Nichols for the influence that he had on you? Unfortunately not. I, I had reached out uh, the first time I mentioned his name several years back on, the, on another podcast. I remember thinking to myself, I need to, I need to reach out to him because how, how blessed do we feel as teachers and coaches when our student athletes or parents or grandparents come to us and say, hey, the, the difference you've made in my son or grandson's life or daughter's life. I remember reaching out to him. He was no longer teaching at the school and uh, I don't believe he's on social media. I remember, and this is back in the day when the white pages still existed and the yellow pages, trying to look him up and couldn't find him anywhere. Um, but I did have a chance two summers ago to go back to my old high school and meet up again with my old head coach from high school and share with him the impact he had in my life. What was the most valuable lesson that you learned through a challenger defeat growing up? So many, you know, sports related. It was, <laughs> I'm realizing now for the first time, seventh grade was a pivotal year for me. The end of seventh grade, I had a D in a class. I don't remember which class it was. My parents said, if you don't get the D up, you're not playing football next year. And I don't know why I didn't believe them because my parents were not empty threaders. But uh, at the end of the school year, the D was no longer there. It had dropped down to an F. And uh, yeah, yeah. My parents said, that's it. You're not playing football in eighth grade. And I don't know why I didn't believe him, Sean. So I, I went the, you know, the first part of the summer as a kid, just going out, riding my bike, playing sports, hanging out with friends. And I remember when August came around, all my buddies were talking about, hey, signups are next weekend, signups are next weekend. And remember that Saturday came and I remember being in my bedroom waiting for my dad to come down the hall and say, hey, let's go, you know, and then kind of give me that father talk again of, hey, you're lucky we're letting you play, but you know, next time you're not playing. And uh, he never came down the hall. So I remember going to him like, Dad, we need to go. Like, sign up for today. And he's like, Kurt, you're not playing football. And I thought I hated my parents for a few months. It was one of the greatest lessons they taught me about consequences in life and about being a student athlete. I didn't play football in eighth grade. And at that time, I thought football was everything. And I did think I felt like I hated my parents. It's one of the best lessons they ever taught me about accountability and about, as I said, being a student athlete. And I look back now and I'm like, man, I wish more parents would focus more on not playing time for the sons and daughters, but focus on are you doing the work you need to do in the classroom? Are you becoming a student athlete? More important, student first and foremost. So that, that lesson was painful, but powerful. Wow. That's a great story. At what point did you admit to your parents that they were right? How old were you when you told them? You know, I, I remember having that conversation, not, I think in not all cases, but in many cases, you know, dads tend to be a little bit more the heavy in, in, as far as discipline or whatnot. Not always. I remember having that conversation with my father when I was in college. I, I think it was my sophomore year in college. I thanked him for that. And it, it, was, it was a proud moment for him that, you know, I think for any of our fathers, when they realized their sons and or daughters realized that all the things that we hated growing up and we didn't think was good or justified, that we realized there was a lot of wisdom behind that. Yeah. 
I think one of my favorite stories, I don't think I've shared this with my podcast listeners, but I delivered the Boston Globe growing up, and I think I was, what, 11 years old or something, and the Globe was obscenely thick. I mean, it was just massive. They deliver half of it on Saturday, and then obviously the newsier stuff on Sunday, and we'd had a terrible snowstorm, like terrible, and it's not like Minnesota where I live, where the you know plows are at the ready. And so here I am at 4.35 in the morning getting up to set up my papers and I walk out the front door and the snow's up to my knees, right? So I get out there, I'm digging through the snow because the papers are buried, you know, underneath plastic. And I used to deliver my papers with either a wheelbarrow or a wagon. Well, obviously I'm not using either with as much snow, right? right? There, there are no plows. And so I go back in the house and I wake my dad up and he rolls over, said, dad, it snowed like it's up to my knees. Can you help me? And I'm thinking my dad will agree and he'll, you know, get the car and I'll deliver from the back of a car, right? Like a lot of kids who had paper routes at that time did. And he paused and my dad said, I'm sure you'll figure something out. And then he rolled <laughs> back over and that was the end of the conversation. And the kind of kid I was is like not delivering the papers wasn't even an option. Right? right. Like it just was not, okay, I'm just not going to do it or I'll wait till the plows come. And so I'm sitting there thinking and I realized I could pull out my sled. So I had a, a blue sled, like the cheap kind that, that you buy at the store. And I loaded up the papers and I had so many customers that I'd have to strategically place the huge papers along the route. Cause really, even with my wagon, I think I could stack like 15 papers on the wheelbarrow, you know, right. and it's super heavy, but I couldn't do that with the sled. Well, needless to say, it took like five and a half hours for me to deliver the papers that day. And I remember walking through the front door and my parents were eating breakfast and I went straight upstairs and my dad said, hey, how'd it go? And I didn't even say anything to him. I went upstairs <laughs> to my room and I slammed the door and I was, you know, pouting, but it was an incredible lesson, just like your lesson was. I love that story. And, and I'm sure this is not lost on you, but the thing that stands out to, to me the most there, Sean, is that obviously your, your father and probably your mother instilled that work ethic in you that you said that, well, quit quitting or, or not delivering on my promise to do the job wasn't even an option. In your story that you shared and the story I shared, our parents were willing to be the villain for a period of time to teach us a lesson that would stay with us for a very long time. And I find that cause. too many parents today are trying to avoid that pain or disappointment for their children in the short term, and they're doing the opposite. They're doing long-lasting negative impact. Usually said, yeah. Because when your child misses that game-winning shot, and you're sitting there blaming the referee or you're blaming the coach or you're blaming somebody for not setting a better pick or whatever it is, we're really doing a disservice. So yes, it may make the kid feel better in the moment, but you're just doing long-term damage in my opinion. And so I just find that that's happening so much these days. Absolutely. Well, to get back on track, Coach, was there anything that you wrestled or struggled with in middle school or high school? And just to vary this up, I don't want you to use an example from seventh grade, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I struggled a lot growing up with always being the best athlete, the best looking. The, I'm just kidding. Um, no, <laughs> no, that was never a struggle for me. Uh, full transparency, Sean, I struggled with for years, more than I'm proud to admit, with body dysmorphia, if you will. 
Um, I was a little bit of a chunkier kid. I wasn't fat. However, I've always had love handles. And man, that I, I let that steal so much of my joy for way too many years and insecurity. And now at 51, I realize, you know, the greatest people in my life, male or female, younger or older, the people I love the most has nothing to do with what they look like what their bank account is or any of that. It's just their heart, their character and who they are. So man, I, I, I try as much as I can with our own. My wife and I have four children, two grandsons. I try with our own children and family and with those I'm blessed to teach and coach to instill, it's the intangibles. It's the stuff you can't see with a human eye that makes us who we are to the core. But yeah, in, in middle school and even high school and, and, and beyond, I struggled with just being where my feet are and really enjoying the blessing of each moment because I didn't love how I looked, mm. if that makes sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. And, and again, yeah. like we're all struggling with something. Before I close, I want to share something special by presenting sponsor TeamSnap and my video series Model Student Athlete are thrilled to present our Coach of the Month. We want to shine the spotlight on coaches in youth sports who are making a positive impact on young student athletes and our second honoree is Sage Bernstein, a coach at Parkway Hoops and a current Division I soccer player at St. Francis in Brooklyn. She recently coached her under 12 boys team to win the Parkway League, inspiring her players with her energy and knowledge and also serving as a positive example for girls in the program who look up to her. Congratulations Coach Sage! Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. If you have any questions or comments, please visit my website, seankjensen.com and go to the contact page. You can even leave me a voice recording. And of course, I want to thank my presenting sponsor, TeamSnap, the go-to must-have app in youth sports. Winning is not everything, but the three H's to be a real hero in life are hustle, humility, and heart. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, and we'll see you again next time.